Welcome, fantastic friends, to the new episode of the Fancast at Four podcast, the number one Fantastic Four fancasting podcast on the internet. Presumably. I'd say vociferously. I'm Dan Bettenhausen. And I'm Jack Mayer. And we are your hosts as we venture into the what-ifs of Marvel's first family who will be appearing in Phase 6 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Presumably. With Matt Shackman... <laughs> With Matt Shackman set to direct the MCU's Fantastic Four film, we still can explore what it would be like if a different director was behind the camera and who might they cast. This week, we are featuring an Irish film director, producer, screenwriter, and lyricist who specializes in musical dramas. He has also been nominated twice for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards, earning one win. This week, we are featuring John Carney. Jack, what comes to mind when you think about John Carney and his films? First off, I want to welcome everybody to the Fancast at Four uh, Chore Day edition featuring the <laughs> full my laundry while we talk about John Carney films. Um, Productive, you know. We here yeah. promote multitasking here at the Fancast at Four podcast. Right, unless it's texting and driving. Don't text and don't drive. Text and, don't text and drive. What comes to mind for me with John Carney films is the music. Uh, I have especially been on a kick listening to his songs while driving in the car recently. It's such good music, like insanely good stuff. Oh, incredible, incredible music. And I think that's why even with one film we're talking about today that may not be the best of the a bunch, the music elevates it to a degree that makes it at least a tolerable viewing. One thing, one fun fact I like is that before he became a director, he was actually a bassist for the Irish rock band The Frames. And he, along with Glenn Hansard, who is the star of his first film that we'll be talking about, well, that's how they met. And that's kind of, I think, their experience being in that band certainly enlightened and had influence on his future films. Oh, 100%. You can see music dripping across every frame of every single one of his movies. And it's really, really fascinating to see because I think a lot of directors sometimes don't fully understand how much of an impact music can have on the experience of watching a movie. And I think that John Carney has such a unique ability to make his music so integral to the story and so important that... I don't know. I am I'm never much of a music person when I watch movies. I don't always pay attention to it. It's never the first thing that I really think about, except in his movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm paying attention to like every single cue, every note, every like lyric. It's brilliant. Yeah, definitely a blind spot for me is picking up the score, really paying attention to how that plays a part in a film. I guess you can definitely know when it's not working. But I think for me, when it's working, it's working so well that I'm not focusing on it and just how it's just kind of in the background subtly enhancing what we're seeing the performances do. With that said, I think big picture looking at these films we're about to talk about, what I really like is there's not a lot of, I'd say, crossover in what he explores. While music is integral to each of the films we're talking about, it looks at it from a completely different angle four different times. Absolutely. So we're going to get into our first segment here, Four Fantastic Films. Here we will discuss four films directed by John Carney. We're going to start in 2007 with his Oscar winner for Best Original Song, Once. Uh, 
I saw this film for the first time a few weeks ago in a theater because a local theater near me was doing a John Carney retrospective where they showed a bunch of his movies. And I went to go see a double feature of this movie and another movie that we'll talk about later. My God, this movie is incredible. As the kids say, or as those of your generation, Jack, say, it slaps. Freaking slaps, dude. But it's not like a fast slap that, like, stings. It's like a slow-motion slap that just kind of lingers across your face as it's moving through. It looks like it was shot on an RCA VHS, like, camcorder. That makes it It, better. It makes it it better. It does. It enhances it. Like, I, I could never imagine this movie shot with, like, a really nice camera. It just wouldn't feel right. Right. Oh, totally. I mean, the, the film, for those who haven't seen it, is about this busker in Ireland playing for change. Uh, and he comes across this uh, young woman who's selling flowers uh, just on the street there, trying to get a little extra pocket change along with her uh, cleaning job she has. And they just develop this budding friendship. They sing songs together. They take, uh, she takes him to this music shop where she's allowed to play the piano for an hour a day, thanks to the shop owner. And then this leads them to ultimately recording some of his music professionally. They find some other buskers who uh, agree to be the background vocals and music. And it's just this really intimate piece of filmmaking centered around this this friendship where I think you're first supposed to be led to believe it's a romance, but there's kind of a, I don't want to say a hard left turn, but certainly a left turn where it's really just this, yeah, this budding friendship about making music and how music rejuvenates the soul and can rejuvenate relationships that may have turned sour. I, I can't praise this movie highly enough uh, i think every single john carney movie has a best something about it and i think this movie by far has the best scene in any of his movies uh and the scene of guy and girl which are their names in the film yeah. singing falling slowly the Oscar oh my god it is astounding how well i melt every time i melt listening to this song uh, and especially during the scene, just the raw emotion that Glenn Hansard, who plays Guy, the guy, not his name isn't Guy. He is just known as the guy, just lets out just all this pain and strife and, and hope even in this film. And this the way that the girl looks at him as she's kind of learning as she's going along playing the accompaniment to this even if you just youtube this scene i would tell you to do that if you don't want to t- take the hour and 10 minutes or somewhat however long this really short, it's like, a really you, short movie you'll not spend that much time watching it but you'll want to watch it again i think falling slowly is easily my favorite john carney song and deservedly had won the oscar the year it did it, it's up there for me it's it's the best song in this movie, which also has a bunch of other incredible mm-hmm. songs in it. Yeah, I don't know. I just I love this movie. It's so sweet. It's so endearing. Simple. Like, it's very simple. It's very straightforward. It's it's the kind of movie that I feel like a lot of young filmmakers should watch because it's a great way to like show young filmmakers how to get out and just do what you want to do. Yeah. Yes. One hundred percent. 
Uh, so let's jump ahead six years to 2013's Begin Again. Now, full disclosure, I have not actually seen this movie, but I have listened to the music that you sent me. And it's awesome. got pretty great music. Yes. And I you take the lead on this Yeah, so this is the one I was kind of referencing earlier. This movie feels like off of the success of Once, John Carney's ready to take that next step, and he was kind of pigeonholed into this though he had some say it feels like this this premise he felt obligated to do rather than more so than passionate you get some good performances from Kira knightley uh mark ruffalo um but all in all i think the music does a lot of the heavy lifting and it needs to do a lot of the heavy lifting because i don't think the story is nearly as strong as the other three films once and then the next two that we're going to talk about um again for those who haven't seen it um mark ruffalo is this kind of down on his luck music executive who just hasn't been finding an act that will help kind of revitalize his record label he gets canned find cure finds kira knightley who's this like little gig singer um kind of gets woken up wants to produce music for her and it's about their adventure producing this album that's all done around new york in the subway like the whole vibe is getting ambient new york sounds to do this and then the b plot is kira knightley's boyfriend or ex is adam levine who makes it big becomes this rock star and despite what you think of adam levine he is perfectly cast as kind of the scumbag ex-boyfriend there is a tiny bit of a reconciliation come the end and i will admit guiltily I like his version that's done at the end of the film more so than the Kira Knightley version, despite it being kind of shit on as this overproduced version. I guess we get three versions. We get her kind of really stripped down version of the song Lost Stars. We get a very overproduced version, kind of the pop remix version, and then kind of a melding of the two that Adam Levine does at the end. That is my favorite version of the song. I listened to both the Kieran version and the Adam Levine version. I like the Adam Levine version just a, a bit more. Yeah, I mean, again, despite what you think of Adam Levine, despite what I think of Adam Levine, very talented singer. And he's I think got a great voice. there's a reason the song was picked for him. Also, he's got a great voice for a John Carney movie as well. Yes, yes. And like for the, the kind of music that John Carney writes. Um, I think my biggest issue is... I don't think the family dynamic between Mark Ruffalo and his ex-wife or his separated wife, that's not really made clear. And his daughter is done very well. Correct. Correct. Um, It feels like there's just too clean a resolution come the end of the movie. And I'm sorry for spoiling. These movies have been out a long time. I know we try not to do spoilers. You you should already see this movie. Just listen to the music. I don't, honestly, I don't care if you watch Begin Again. Listen to the music. That's really what you need to do. Um, there's just too clean a resolution for him and his family at the end because it's, it's just not given its due diligence. But if you're like I said, if you're going to do anything, listen to the soundtrack to Begin Again. That's going to be much better use of your time. One one more point. There, CeeLo Green also makes, I wouldn't say a cameo because he's not called CeeLo Green in the movie. He's called Trouble Gum. So, yeah, if you are a big CeeLo Green fan, this might also be for you. Uh, Well, Dan may not care whether or not you watch Begin Again, but I think we would both care if you didn't watch the next movie we're going to talk about. 2016 Sing Street, 
one of my favorite movies of all time. Definitely in my top 20 films all time. I, I just put it in my letterbox top four favorites after rewatching it, and I absolutely stand by it. This movie's incredible. My It's a perfect film. Like, maybe beyond incredible, actually. Yeah. It, it defies everything. It is so good. The music is brilliant. The performances are great. Uh, this was the thing that I was talking about with noticing like all of the moments in a John Carney movie with the music. There's a scene where uh, Lucy Boynton and Ferdia Wallace-Pilo are walking in the park and you can just hear the score is just take on me. Oh, it, it, I'm glad you said that because like it took me this last viewing to catch that. And because that song is referenced earlier in the film between the two of them and genius moment. Like everything about this movie is so well done. I love this movie. I it is a crime that no song was nominated for best original song, much less win. But that none of them were nominated is incredibly unjust. Falling slowly is amazing, but drive it like you stole it is it's a blast. Absolutely insane. It's so good. Whereas Falling Slowly is like, rip your heart out, squ- crush it in your hands good. This is like, you, your head will fall off from just like be smiling and bouncing. And yeah, just the energy of it is great. And that sequence as well with Drive It Like You Stole It, where it's, you know, very 50s, like, sock hop American high school that they have this image of is so well done. It's yes. so good. I've like, I had a grin on my face the entire time I was watching the sequence. And where this really differentiates itself from a begin again is the performances across the board. I think Aiden Gillen is the father. I don't recall the mother's name, but I just Aiden Gillen's the bigger name. Great as the parents, even though they're in small roles. All the kids in the band are great and have a role. I think this is really a standout role for Jack Rayner as the older brother who was kind of a burnout. Uh, he has this great monologue where he's uh, starts off happy for his brother and just gets angry because he never took a shot. He never made, took the risk of trying to be an artist. And it comes with the line, like, I could have been a jet engine or I was a jet engine. And just the pain in that, I think, yeah, really, really incredible job from him, too. Oh, absolutely. I think this is just an incredible, incredible movie. Easily the uh, most fun movie of John Carney's. Fun, I would say probably the most rewatchable. Mm-hmm, I'd agree. Yeah, it's just it's excellent. You're doing yourself a disservice if you haven't seen this movie. Go go watch this. Go, go watch. Pause, do it now. Pause this podcast. We, we don't podcast. like advocating stopping and listening. This is the exception. Sing Street is the exception. Go watch Sing Street if you haven't already, or go rewatch it now. Just yeah. if you have a do it and then come back and listen to the rest but exactly exactly because we're gonna have a lot of fun stuff that we're gonna talk about more uh like the next movie we're gonna talk about <laughs> 2023's flora and son uh dan what were your thoughts on this movie yeah i liked it and this was really the reason i was i was the, i was more anticipating this movie just so we could finally do the john carney episode and it didn't disappoint certainly it's where i'd have once in sing street at the at the top of the four this is. I could probably alternate between this and begin again on any given day. 
Um, I think it has the opposite situation as Begin Again, where I think the performances and like the story are very strong, but the music is definitely the weakest to me of the four films. Not that they're bad, it's just less memorable compared to the other three films. Um, but I think, again, you uh, get a very strong performance from Eve Hewson as Flora, this, mo- this single mother trying to raise a son who just keeps getting in trouble and tries to use music as a means of connecting with him, along with her teacher, who's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who's halfway across the world, and it's these uh, like Zoom meetings that they do these guitar lessons with. Um, very, again, like John, most John Carney movies, very sweet, endearing, heartfelt film um, that, yeah, I'm glad we got another John Carney film this year. Me too. Uh, I think that this has three really amazing songs that I've listened to a lot recently. Uh, one is Meet in the Middle, which yes. is like a really great ballad between... Incredible moment. Love it. Great moment in the movie. Uh, really well done. The second is High Life, which is the final song. Mm-hmm. I have really started to like love and listen to a lot recently. It's grown on me so much. And then the third is Dublin 07, which is so freaking funny. So Dublin 07 is the uh, song that the teenage son oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. last raps. Uh, there's a great featurette. So this movie's streaming on Apple TV Plus right now. And there's a great featurette of John Carney writing Dublin 07 and writing the lyrics for it. And what I think is so brilliant about John Carney is that he talks about how he's writing from the character's perspectives so he's writing this rap in a way where it's like, I'm trying to imagine what a 14-year-old boy would think sounds really cool. <laughs> and it it works so well. And that's sort of the genius of John Carney is that he's not only able to write great music, he's able to write great music for a variety of different characters. And I think that this has, in terms of, like I said, the best John Carney things, I think this has the best performances in John Carney movies. Uh, I think Eve Hewson is great. Jack Rayner is great. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's great. The son is great. I don't remember what the son's actor's yeah. name is, but it does a great job. Uh, so, Jack, as someone who was more recently 14 than I was, did he succeed there? Uh, as somebody who wasn't really into rap music, I can't <laughs> give my opinion. But, Fair. Uh, if, if, he, if he was writing musical theater lyrics, I'd be all over that. But uh, unfortunately, he was. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think at the end of the day, when you look at all four of these films, you should go watch, listen to the music. I don't care. Consume it in some way because uh, this is an episode I've been looking for for a long time. Because despite my varying degrees of interest or love or affinity for these films, there's something about all four of them that really plucks a heartstring of mine. Absolutely. Like, I will never not be excited for a new John Carney movie. Agreed. I think we could keep talking about John Carney for some time now. I do think it's time we get to our fantastic castings, where Jack and I will each cast the four main members of the Fantastic Four, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, Ben Grimm, and their nemesis, Dr. Doom, with an actor or actress John Carney has worked with previously and has not had a major role in the MCU. And as always, Jack, I will turn it over to you first with your cast. 
All right. So for my cast, for my Reed Richards, I am casting somebody who we just talked about who is in Flora and Son, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt has sort of been in the background for the past few years. He was really had a really big boom in the early 2010s and then just sort of faded away. And I'd really love to see him come back in a major role. And I think that Reed Richards would actually suit him quite well. I mean, we can't forget about the bell dong sound that he was Hourly in Glass dong Onion. And, uh, <laughs> also in uh, Knives Out when he's the TV detective saying, we have the nanny cam footage. Uh, he's He is great. I, I do think Joseph Gordon-Levitt's wonderful, and I'd love to see him as Reed. Uh, for Sue Storm, I'm casting someone who is in Sing Street, Lucy Boynton, also been in Bohemian Rhapsody. She was in the Ryan Murphy show, The Politician. Uh, I think she's excellent. I think she is a wonderful, wonderful actress. Uh, and I think she would actually be a very good Sue Storm. Uh, for Johnny Storm, uh, I'm casting Ferdia Walsh Pilo, also in Sing Street. Now, they do play romantic interests in Sing Street. They're playing brother and sister here. Just roll with it. Just go with it. Ferdia Walsh Pilo is so good, not just in Sing Street, but if you haven't seen Coda as well, he's excellent in coda like he has so much depth to him so much sweetness he's got a little bit of an edge to him though which i think you need for johnny storm but i think the more that the audience gets endeared to johnny the better the team works so i would love to see uh Ferdia as that role and then as my ben grimm uh i did cast uh trouble gum as uh he was called in begin again uh mr CeeLo green can CeeLo green really act I don't know, but uh, he's going to be in CGI and doing a voice, so I think it'll be great. I think that makes you crazy for casting CeeLo Green as Ben Grimm. That you then. And then as my Doctor Doom, I am casting somebody who was in an early John Carney film uh, called On the Edge, and who was originally supposed to play the lead role in Once before he decided he could not hit the notes and then dropped out of the project, but who has still remained, I believe, good friends with John Carney. Uh, and that is future Oscar winner, um, calling it now, hopefully, uh, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy is excellent, and I think that he plays such a good villain, and Doctor Doom, I feel like, is perfect for him. Okay, I'm going to interject before getting into my cast, because I did not know that fun fact about once. Yeah, that would have been a such different movie. I don't know this what if scenario with Killian Murphy in once I think could have been fun. I don't think see him having the same just beat down heartache that Glenn Hansard can evoke. I, agree. I also don't think the chemistry would have been as strong. Agreed. Let's get to my cast. Uh, for Reed Richards, I am going with someone that I've maybe maligned a little bit already in this podcast from Begin Again, Adam Levine. I think it will make pretty pretty good sense why I cast him uh, when you hear my pitch, but I am looking for someone who is that kind of front man in, in a band. And really, from anyone who's worked with John Carney, he probably fits that the best. For Sue Storm, I'm going with Eve Hewson from Flora and Son, who plays Flora. Again, she was really incredible. Someone that 
has worked before this, but really the first thing I really noticed her in, and I think that's probably the quality you want from someone who's called the Invisible Woman, someone who probably feels like they're relegated to the back, but has their moment to shine eventually. Uh, and I think Eve Hewson can really do that. As Johnny Storm, uh, I really, again, I want to go with people who can sing for these roles. And I wanted to go back to Sing Street and cast Mark McKenna, he was kind of the, I don't know, the second in command of Sing Street Band. Jack of all trades, could play lots of different instruments, could sing. So that's why I went with Mark McKenna. For Ben Grimm, I'm very happy that Jack had picked CeeLo because I was, this was the one pick I really wanted. Uh, having Jack Rayner as Ben Grimm, he was in Sing Street, Flora and Son. And I kind of went through why I think he's incredible already. And I think he really could do a great job as Ben Grimm. And finally, for Dr. Doom, I wanted someone who's just a scumbag, who's played a scumbag. We've got this in Game of Thrones. And I went back to Sing Street and cast Aiden Gillen, who was a little finger, been just kind of this piece of shit many times. And that's what I'm looking for with my Dr. Doom. All right, well, with our projects cast, it is time to pitch our Carney Helm Fantastic Four films. Before we get into those pitches, I have two questions, as always. First, Jack, is your film an origin film? Yes. Mine, in a way, I guess it is. Uh, I'd say mine's also sort of like that. But yeah, yeah. I, so weirdly hard question to answer for, for this. Let's just say they're established as a group before the film goes, but it's... Yeah, you'll, you'll see. Uh, second, is it part of the MCU? Not the MCU. Not the Mark Wahlberg Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't stopped you before. That Mark Wahlberg's not in this movie. I promise that right now. <laughs> um, like, mine is insofar as the multiverse exists, but no, not really connected to any machinations of the MCU as we know it. All so right. Jack, take it away with your pitch. So, this movie starts out with the underground club music scene, also known as the MCU. It's so underground that they spell it backwards. In the MCU, the most well-known group is Reed Richards, Ben Grimm, and Dr. Doom. However, Nick Fury, played by Don Wycherly, who is in Sing Street and Flora and Son, he's like the father, who his brother Baxter, who runs the school in Sing Street. Nick Fury is sort of like the main club owner of the MCU. He sort of oversees all of these bands that go into the clubs and who perform. And he has picked out Dr. Doom as the star of this trio of Reed and Ben and Victor. So he plucks Dr. Doom out of there and is like, I'm going to give you a solo contract. And that sort of leads Reed and Ben shit out of luck, essentially. They start to see Victor Von Doom rise above ground, if you will. He starts to go into this more like EDM area with his Doom bots uh, and... He's sort of lost the kind of music that Reed and Ben and him used to really make and love. But the music that Reed and Ben are now making just doesn't have the same punch to it. No one wants to go see them because they don't have this megastar that they used to perform with. So Reed and Ben are sort of getting drunk at the clubs. They're not really wanting to perform anymore. 
until they see another duo, a brother and sister duo of Sue and Johnny. Invisible Flame is this duo of Sue and Johnny, and Reed sees them and is like, we have to work with these two. Uh, Reed is sort of like the frontman guitarist, Ben plays the drums, Sue is uh, on keyboard, Johnny also plays drums, and that sort of creates a sort of conflict with him and Ben. Eventually, Johnny moves into more of the bass area, he realizes he's a lot more versatile. We start to see this sort of budding romance between Reed and Sue, but it's not really acted on, because it's more about the music than it is, you know, the romance between the two and we start to see this group of the four of them really work in the underground club scene in the mcu basically we start to work our way through all these different clubs nick fury is noticing just how well these four work together and eventually offers them a contract to open with dr doom uh which they refuse they want to stay underground and eventually dr doom sort of tanks his career he has to come back to join them they refuse we end with this big like fantastic four number if i had a piano with me i would have written it but i did not i'm sure that i will come up with something in the john carney style in the next couple weeks and i'll be really mad that i didn't record something but for now that's sort of my john carney fantastic four movie it's a it's about like that underground music scene and about this like group of four people that are connecting through this underground music scene and i think it would be very sweet it is uncanny how similar our pitches are (laughs) i mean definitely differences but we are very much on parallel tracks here so i have to love it because it's very we're very much similar wavelengths right now incredible fortunately there are plenty of differences i i like the route you went that you had um sue and johnny as this other duo that dr doom was part of the original group like i said you'll you'll hear very shortly what i'm saying but awesome you know let's uh not delay any further mine uh my film is called fantastic four battle of the bands and it opens with a battle of the bands. We have a few clips of numbers coming from the group called the X-Men, just this metal band blaring out something called like Mutation. Uh, we have a group called the Avengers, this kind of more folk pop group singing a song called Let's Assemble. Um, the Defenders, this kind of punk grunge band. I don't know if those are the same thing or or not Maddie Gunner, one of our music uh, theme writers, could tell me later and tell me how wrong I am. Uh, we have another comment how much we're disappointing you. Right, right. We have uh, the Guardians, who are kind of an EDM group, and then we have the Fantastic Four, uh, who are just kind of your general, I'd say, your stereotypical rock band who sing a number called Fantastic For You. Uh, I don't have lyrics for it. Similar boat, no time, but I, I do have some titles. And the Fantastic Four win the Battle of the Band as this the best amateur group that performed during this competition. And from that, they were approached by Aiden Gillen's character, Victor, who is more well-known in the industry as Dr. Doom, and he wants to sign them to his music label. Reed is very excited uh, about this idea. He's had aspirations of really taking the band and wanting them to be big, whereas the other three liked where they were at. They just want to play their music and had some hesitation, but they relent to Reed. However, 
as time goes on, the three's fears are kind of realized. Doom ends up making Reed the front man and ends up changing the name from the Fantastic Four to Mr. Fantastic and the Four. And things keep just going downhill from there, at least for the other three. Reed's living his best life. Reed and Sue used to be co-leads. That's no longer the case. Sue's kind of relegated to the backup and feeling as though she's invisible. Johnny and Ben, whose relationship had always been contentious but still loving, started fighting more. Um, not necessarily because they weren't in the lead, but just their ideas keep getting shut down. Songs they're writing are getting nixed for AI-generated fluff. And eventually, Doom starts to arrange for things to go in a way that Reed ultimately becomes a solo act. And rather than fight it, the other three just say, fine, we're out. They leave to form their own trio and get back to gigging like they had before. And as they're doing this, the three encounter another singing duo uh, played by Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Erglova from Once, playing a duo known as Hawkeye and Mockingbird. And they were also previously approached by Doom, but turned them down. And they're just telling, or kind of, they're recanting like how their life is better for it. Now, with Reed, as he gets more famous, he becomes less and less happy because he's doing it by himself. He's feeling very alone and isolated. After a year or two goes by, he's really lost touch with the others. But as he's I don't, doing something, he comes across for an ad for an, another Battle of the Bands competition. He goes to check it out, kind of staying in the background, not wanting to be noticed, and realizes that his three old friends, his three old bandmates, are performing. And they're incredible. After they win again, Reed approaches them, and they kind of blow him off, give him a cold, very cold reaction. But after his admitting his faults and begging for forgiveness, there's a reconciliation. Uh, he then goes to Doom and wants out of his contract. He wants he wants to join back up with his friends, his old bandmates. But Doom threatens to sue him for breach of contract. So Reed hires Matt Murdock to find a loophole in the agreement, does some lawyer lawyering wizardry and... Ultimately, Reed is released from his the clutches of Doom and his label. We return some time later. They're gigging in some some small venue, and they're happier than they've ever been. We get Sue singing a song just called The Invisible Woman. Johnny gets to go uh, play his song that he wrote called Flame On. Ben has his song called That's The Thing. And then they finish with their hit, Fantastic For You. And that is where the song, or the, that is where the movie ends. Uh, does Matt Murdock also have a song called Justice is Blind? <laughs> now he does. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, very much parallel paths there. I like, I mean, very carny. I mean, that's how I would see something like that going, either, whether it's your route or, or mine. I feel like a reason we both kind of came to that, uh, those themes. Yeah, no, he like, he loves to deal in that sort of how does music affect the person? How does the person affect those around them? That's his bread and butter, and he's so good at it. And I think this, I mean, again, this might be a better attempt at the cynicism that is the music industry, too, and just playing for the love of it that I don't think Begin Again did as good a job of, but that's just, again, my personal opinion. I think that does it. 
We have our fan castings, our pitches for a John Carney Fantastic Four film. And I certainly hope you, the listeners, enjoyed our exploration into this what-if scenario. Uh, we want to make a special note that the Fancastic Four podcast is hosted for free on Spotify Podcasts, formerly known as Anchor. We encourage you, if you have your own podcast idea, to check out Spotify Podcasts. I mean, it's a great resource. Any idea, big or small, I think they can really help you make it happen. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you are listening on YouTube, we would greatly appreciate you hitting the subscribe button and commenting with who your John Carney cast would be on what you thought of our lists and pitches and on which director you'd like to see next. I also want to thank Matt Hart and Maddie Gunner for the fantastic theme music they created for us. And I want to thank all of you for listening. As always, I'm Dan Bettenhausen. I'm Jack Mayer, and we hope you all stay fantastic.